air, water, earth, fire. For hundreds of years, the four nations have lived in harmony. The Avatar, master of all four elements, was always responsible for maintaining the peace. But Avatar Roku passed away 13 years ago. Now, the four nations look to the air nomads to reveal the next Avatar, but the world is met with silence. Rumors from the Earth Kingdom abound that the Fire Nation is planning an aggressive move into the Earth Kingdom. Five young heroes were too late to save the Southern Air Temple, but hold vital information that could save the Earth Kingdom, and maybe even save the world. Hello everybody and welcome to this episode of the Flying Bison Podcast. <laughs> this definitely isn't our second attempt at recording our first episode, so just uh, stop asking about a secret cut, everybody. Be ridiculous. We are professionals here. <laughs> yes. No, but in all seriousness, <laughs> ever. Uh, but in all seriousness, we did record the first episode and we had uh, a couple technical issues. So we are recording this as sort of a bonus episode. And it's either going to be sort of a companion alongside of the first episode. Uh, we might just release it in, as the first episode, depending on how well it goes. But either way, we are happy that you are here. I am Justin, your GM and storyteller. Uh, for those who are still getting to know us or don't know us yet, I've been playing tabletop role-playing games for about a decade now. And I actually started with one of our cast members, Danny, with the Pathfinder Beginner Box. And so I love Avatar and, and Korra watched them when they first came out. And so this just felt like a natural progression for me. Now, fun fact, I my formal training is in philosophy and ethics. So I am really going to make my players feel the weight of their poor choices throughout this entire podcast. That's the goal. <laughs> That's my hope anyway. But I would like to introduce my my good friends. We've been playing together since both of us got into tabletop RPGs. Danny Wickman, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, I'm Danny. Um, yeah, like Justin said, <clears throat> I started playing. Uh, I was introduced to RPGs with the uh, Pathfinder role playing game, and I've just been sort of fascinated ever since. I've GM'd a couple games, played in a couple games. Now I'm playing against in this one, you know, and uh, yeah, you know, I'm happy to be here. I said that. I said that when I introduced you. That that's you say that all the time. Happy to be here. Do I really? Oh yeah, I, I do. Well, you know, it's true. I'm always happy to be here. Wherever he is. Wherever I is. Is there ever a place that you've been where you're not happy to be? Like I'm. I can think of a number of places I would not be happy to be. Like an abandoned um, carnival. <laughs> you know, that's scary can't think of any right now you can't think of maybe, maybe, it, was that, maybe it was that first maybe it was that first recording when the technical difficulties happened you know i just wanted to dip but you know i stayed i stayed um vigilant well we thank you for for sticking with us we're happy you're here as well too well, thank you uh next up is actually i think i've known him i was thinking about this i think i've known this person the longest out of anybody in the group uh steve dergan uh please convince our listeners why they should care about you as a person oh gosh the pressure is on <laughs> um, 
silence. Silence. Did we lose Steve? No, he just my, doesn't have any good reasons. He just doesn't have am any I frozen reasons. now? <laughs> You're not frozen anymore. <laughs> You're no longer frozen. Did I freeze as soon as he you asked did, me the yeah, question? So that's yep. your answer? That's good, because yep. I froze in real life. So. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Oh, no. That's so forward. Why should they care about me as a person? <laughs> Hi, I'm Steve. Uh, there are probably interesting things about me, but when I'm put on the spot, I can't think of them. <laughs> Do you want to do a little bit on like tabletop and nerdiness? Please. Yeah, so I am a big fan of Avatar um, and watched some of it initially as a kid on Nickelodeon and fell in love. And I think it just is like a fixture in my mind that shapes how I think about story and fantasy and fiction. And I'm working on a novel myself and I cannot help but tap into the avatarness sometimes so um it's just a big influence for me and i think what i'm most excited about is just like the sheer playfulness of the avatar world and what that kind of invites for us as adults pretending to be like preteens and teens so this is going to be hilarious and good time but I also love like the the like strong positive messages too. So this will be good, and I'm happy that we have someone with training and ethics as the GM. <laughs> You'll regret that choice in a couple episodes, hopefully. Uh... We'll see. All right, he is in the middle of a move, so I just can't believe that he's here. We're so excited to have him, Johnny Button. Johnny Button, everybody. Hello, hello, uh, Johnny. Why don't you regale our audiences with your exploits? Oh man, so where do I start? Um, no, I am much like Steve in the middle of working on a novel, uh, always, uh, you know, finding different ways to engage with my my nerdiness, uh, both in public and in private. Been playing uh, tabletop RPGs since college, watched, uh, watched Avatar The Last Airbender when it first came out on Nickelodeon. I think I was in uh, middle school when it started and then when legend of Korra came out i was 22 and was just as excited to start that as i was when the original show came out and i was a little kid um but yeah so i'm, I'm super excited to be here and uh to play and jump in we're excited you are here as well how's the move how's the move going you doing good the move is going pretty smoothly so far uh, lots of packing the the listening audience doesn't know this but where i normally have many things behind me is totally blank and uh that's because everything is in boxes downstairs now i'm glad i'm glad it's going maybe one day they'll see uh they'll see our faces on a video stream or something after i can afford to hire a body double yes <laughs> and uh yeah I'll sign up for that's, that too. Give it that's our first Patreon goal is a uh, body double for, for Johnny. Yeah. We I can get that on Craigslist <laughs> for like 20 bucks. We can do it for Fiverr. <laughs> Fiverr. I, uh, I started watching with Abby the other day. We started, she'd never seen this, but I'm rewatching it. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And all the, the Halloween episodes with uh, the, the body double. So good. <laughs> yep. So, so good. All right, our next player, she may be new to the world of Avatar and tabletop role-playing games, but she is a powerhouse of a player. Monroe Hayden, why don't you remind our listeners why you will inevitably be their favorite character and player? 
Ooh, that's quite an introduction and quite a promise. <laughs> Thank you for putting that on my shoulders. I will be everyone's favorite character. Um, yeah, well, a little bit about myself. I played once Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know. I think I was in my teens, so that was a few decades ago. And I didn't really watch Avatar. I did watch the last Airbender movie, which I've been told to just forget about. And, <laughs> you know, I'm cool with that. Uh, uh, so when I was told about this podcast, I started watching Avatar, the series. And I started with Korra, but then I realized it was a sequel and decided to cut that and just focus on Avatar. And yeah, and I really like it. I'm really glad to be here. And I'm actually having a really good time. Good. We're having. I'm having a great time. We're glad. I'm glad everyone's here. Everyone, I've only been playing with some of you for a little bit, but you have become some of my favorite people to play games with. So, I'm glad you're all here. Um, how? Where are you now? In in oh, the me? last Airbender, yeah. Oh gosh, I don't know. I think I'm still in season one. Uh, a lot of stuff has been going on, so I haven't been able to to watch it. But um, yeah, I think it was. I think it's really early on still, actually, because... Yeah, you know what? I can't really... I have to watch it again to see where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> and you put me on the spot, so I'm, I'm just sorry. like, oh, I'm so sorry. I don't know. <laughs> it's okay. And finally, last and least of our group, but by no means the least important, Nick Coplin. Oh, it's, it's the least important. It's the least in, in many respects. But yeah. I'm here. Uh, just really love playing tabletop RPGs. Uh, had a conversation with Justin today earlier that made me realize I might be too into Avatar <laughs> and know too much about it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm very excited to play this game. I'm very excited to play with you guys. Um, yeah. We all have our, our strengths, right? And that's one of the reasons why I like all these people here. You are definitely the lore guy like if i've got a lore question about the avatar verse i guarantee you nick knows the answer to it i don't know it's all i've retained <laughs> just avatar facts nothing else i just i just wish sometimes that like i could remember school or work stuff the way i can remember pokemon facts <laughs> or exactly yes magic the gathering cards <laughs> i will never forget like what element in pokemon is strong and weak against other elements but Oh yeah, for sure. I cannot for the life of you gotta me know. like remember like passwords. <laughs> yeah, but I know that the original Snorlax Pokemon card is 1014 pounds. <laughs> That's very important work. In fact, I think it's important. you should put that on your resume. I probably should. Yeah. Well, that is that's the cast and crew. We're gonna we're gonna walk through our campaign today and some character creations. We've we've chosen a lot of those elements, like I said in that first episode, um, but we wanted to spend some time, I think, digging a little bit more into our choices, and this kind of affords us an opportunity to do that. So we're gonna walk through everything as though we're choosing the campaign options for the first time, choosing the character options for the first time. Um, but we just won't be spending a lot of time discussing them. Um, and it opens up a lot more time for us to ask questions of each other and and flesh out our choices a bit more. 
Um, so the first thing that you would do, listeners, if you were also playing Avatar Legends, is you would pick the era that you are playing in. And there are five eras in the game. Kyoshi, Roku, 100 Years War, Avatar Aang, and Avatar Korra. And for this, we've chosen the 100 Years War. So we're going to be... We've actually decided that it's going to be right at the very beginning of the Hundred Years of War. So instead of uh, right before Avatar Aang comes back, uh, it's actually going to be right as Avatar Roku passes and the air temples are destroyed. So the air temple destruction is sort of the beginning of our our pilot episode in season um, after that we are going to choose you're going to choose your scope and this can be anything as small as a single fire nation temple or as large as the entire world we're sort of you know caught between a bigger scope such as you know exploring the earth kingdom and then the whole world we might kind of move in and out between those things but we wanted to let you the listeners and also us as players try and experience as, as much of the world of avatar as possible after that though you're going to choose your group focus and it's at this point i'm gonna i'm gonna bring in some of my friends here and they are going to answer these questions and then we'll kind of just discuss them for you. So the first thing you have to do is choose your group focus, which is the thing that your group is dedicated to. It's the thing that no one of you is able to accomplish on your own. It's something that needs all of you in order to accomplish. Um, so who wants to be, does anyone remember what we chose? I think, correct me if I'm wrong, everybody. I think we chose to deliver news um, to primarily the earth kingdom but basically like everybody um the news of some kind of destruction of the air temples i don't know what we witness or how we come about or how much news we really have but it's enough for us to be like we gotta spread the word yeah we gotta tell them that the air temples are destroyed we have we have an airbender with us Oh, that's right. Yes. someone is playing an airbender and we're gonna get into that actually i think because as we detail our inciting incident which is next um I, i've got a few questions that i, I want to ask to make sure that everything flows um but yeah so the next thing we would do after choosing our group focus our group focus is to deliver news of the destruction of the air nomads to the earth king and then along the way to deliver it to other people that we encounter but your inciting incident is sort of the pilot of your your group right it's the pilot episode it's the first thing that people would see if they were to watch your show so it's got your typical act one act two act three and there are a bunch of choices that you can make in each of those acts and you have to choose one option in each act um in act one who uh let's let's just start with it and then we'll, we can just ask questions during this time like if anyone else has any questions too like they want to ask a, a narrative question or a clarifying question of someone just feel free to feel free to ask it but um what what did y'all choose for your what did we choose for our our act one we learned the frightening plans of general she is that what we decided mm -hmm. is it she yep. um yeah on our way to attack the earth kingdom after being instrumental in taking out the air nomads yeah, because she is the one that destroyed the, <laughs> the air <Yeah>. temple. 
It's like all coming back to me. <laughs> we spelled it X-I though, so it's not, it's a little, it's, it's traditional in that sense. Uh, very funny. So I, what, here's what I'm wondering. And we will maybe get into this a little bit when we jump into characters, but what are each of your characters doing? Like, how did you, you wouldn't, none of your characters, except for maybe Nick and Danny's character knew each other before this moment. So what, how are you all together and what caused you to collectively learn this information? So Danny's characters and mine was probably running from what would probably be the beachhead of the Fire Nation. Uh, and we might have just been heading. I forget which. Johnny, which which uh, temple was your character coming from? Uh, my character was originally from the Southern Air Temple. OK, so we could have been heading south. You could have been heading north by the same token. Ren Song could have been wherever we ended up meeting up and just could have just been this, you know, everybody colliding in one area. Yeah, I think it would make sense for my character to have run into uh, any number of you on the road. Um, I think my character wasn't at the air temple when the destruction started, um, but was on the way there. Mm, so you're envisioning this act one as almost like you would see this is your first time seeing uh, uh, the air temple that used to be your home. Mm -hmm. Okay. Trying to look to uh, Nick. It, I think it is because Kyoshi Island is on the south side of the Earth Kingdom, right? Yes, the very, very southern tip. It's really, really close to uh, the Southern Air Temple, yeah, actually. it's really close to the Southern Air Temple. Well, that's perfect. Um, we that, could be a, that could be a place for me to escape when I totally ditch Kyoshi Island. Sure. Okay. I like that. Well, maybe if you're it's... looking to escape Kyoshi and we, we all meet up there. Sure. Like, and then Wherever... you get a chance. This is your chance to leave, you know? <laughs> Whatever, whatever you think, GM. What do you think is easiest? Because if we start on Kyoshi Island, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna have to deal with Kyoshi Island. Well, it wouldn't. This is just the pilot episode, so our, our actual play would take place after this pilot episode. So you might not For sure. start at Kyo. You, you know, your character might start on Kyoshi Island, but I, I liked that idea of like maybe you've heard of the like free spirit air nomads and you're like maybe they'll just let me do whatever i want and <laughs> yes and so you start making your way to the southern air temple meanwhile we've got the longshore brothers danny and nick's characters making their way away from the fire nation towards the southern air temple and so we probably what so we could meet up. So if we didn't want to meet up in Kyosha, we could meet up in Chin Village, uh, which mm. is the the village right at the, the tip of the. It's where that General Chin died mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. kissed Kyoshi killed him. Uh, and then the swamp is actually just north of that. Mm. So we're actually within range of 
where uh, uh, Monroe's character came from. Yes. Well, look at that. I like it. Look at that. Yeah. yeah. So Monroe, wh why do you think your character left? Your is around the air temple, or is making their way towards that way? Uh. All right. So just so that way, it's there's a disclaimer. I'm really new to this franchise, mm -hmm. so I'm I'm gonna be the one who's gonna need a lot of help. Totally as far as uh, Liko. I don't think she had any interest in what was going on there. I think she was just kind of moving from place to place and something happened and then she bumped into all these boys and she was like, okay, well, boys. I guess. <laughs> well, we're all like, uh, but preteens, I think that's what we yeah. discussed. So yeah, to boys, they, <laughs> what do you guys think you're, you're men now? I had put age 16. <laughs> yeah, At least one of us does. <laughs> At 16, I definitely think I'm a grown man. <laughs> no one else does. Maybe maybe toddlers do. Well, we could meet up before, like, we could try to cut through the swamp or something, and we could meet up with Liko, or, you know, we could already be together, and we could meet up with her. We could even meet up with her in Act 2. I mean, if that's... Sick. So... We're going to get to act two in a second. Um, right. In my head, what do you guys think about this as... I, I like the idea of like act one starting off and like the scene just like opens with like Osa looking at the air temple and doesn't know what to do. And for whatever reason, you know, Ren, Ren Song is making his way to the air temple, doesn't know what happened. Uh, maybe Monroe's just, uh, or Liko's just traveling, right, around, and you guys, uh, the Longshires, are, are fleeing from the Fire Nation, so you're just making your way in that direction, not specifically towards the air temple, but maybe you all see the destruction that happens, and for whatever reason, you know, meet up with Osa, and I think in my head, I don't know what you guys think about this. In my head, in this act one, I think you get captured by General Shi. All of us? Yeah, because I think it makes sense with what happens in act two, or at least in the, in the way that I'm sort of weaving act one, act two, and act three together. So we can come back to that. Um, maybe or maybe you don't get captured, but what is what is our act two? Who wants to take that one? Uh, so we stole a dragon otter from Captain Saikon, uh, captain of dragon hunters. Yeah, so in my head, I'm envisioning like you getting captured in Act 1, beginning of Act 1, or end of Act 1, and escaping by stealing this dragon otter. It's a great way to escape. Yeah. It's not bad. Um... I don't know. I, I wanted to kick it a little bit to Monroe and Liko because I don't know. It, this means that, you know, your Dragon Otter Rue isn't someone that's been with you for a long time. It's a, like a recent companion. So I don't know if that's what you were envisioning, but. Mm -hmm. Well, I would think that we would need somebody who could uh, at least connect with the Dragon Otter to keep it tame or at least be able to uh, navigate where we're going to go. Because uh, if this is a dragon order that's been 
contained and or caged for a very long, long time. Or they, they, captain of dragon hunters. So would you think is a dragon hunter? Okay, so yeah, the dragon otter is probably a captive, right? Uh, yeah. Maybe it's gonna. Maybe it'll be Set like. Set it free. Yeah, so you're gonna need somebody who could at least connect with it, and I guess because we're captured, we need a way out. Um, Liko sees the dragon otter and kind of just connects connects with him. And uh, did we decide if, if uh, Rue was a girl or a boy? Did you guys remember? I don't think we did. No. Yeah, I don't think well, we did. Let's have her be a girl because there's there, there's a lot of guys. Yeah. So gotta counter <laughs> that counter that yeah. dude energy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we need some some female representation we 100% here. So do. yeah. So yeah. So Liko connects with her and she says, "All right, well, we can try this." And that's how we escape. I kind of for like it sounds. It reminds me of like those stories where like everybody's escaping and like one character's like we got to set the animals free too mm. and everybody else <laughs> that's, like what that's <laughs> we gotta go <laughs> and then we, no, we but then it turns we, out to work in their favor that that actually probably would be more interesting than just like oh, we need an idea so and then it would probably be less stereotypical where it's like oh the girl comes up with the idea to escape so yeah that'd be kind of cool if like yeah we gotta escape and then she's like oh, no wait let's get all the animals too, not without them. And then you guys are like rolling your eyes because it's like, ugh, of course. But then that could be stereotypical too, so I don't know. Also, I feel like in my head too, I'm like seeing this scene where like you free this dragon otter and like it flies away. And then like maybe a few minutes later, you're like fighting through Fire Nation guards and you get surrounded. And then there's this moment of like the dragon like bursting out of the water, saving you guys and you mm. jump on top of it. Do it. I'm pretty down yeah, for that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. One. The dragon came back. <laughs> because I remembered to set her exactly. free. Exactly. Yep. I mean, it makes sense because you're from Foggy Swamp. So, yeah. You care about I think I, nature a lot. Yeah. Exactly. And I think I did have dragons in the past. I think that was like one of my histories or something. Yeah, familiarity think, with dragons. I believe you. I I'll roll with it. <laughs> I don't know. I think I, mean, I, don't, like, I can't tell you. You never hung out with a dragon before. I haven't. No, like, I know, know like what they were. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what the history was, but I remember like I had something to do with animals. Hmm. Maybe it was just a regular otter. I don't know. It, it, we can otter that. dragon. I, I, I kind of like that. Maybe there's something there. We can come back to that. Um. Okay, so you've escaped at the end of Act Two. You escape on this dragon otter named Rue, R-U-U, and fly back towards probably in the direction of Chin Village. Um, and I, that is where our Act 3 starts. So what what did we choose for Act 3 and, and how do we flesh that out? What did happen? It sounds like we were pursued mm -hmm. to that point mm -hmm. oh, because yeah. we still needed help to get away from General Shi, um, who I'm guessing does not want people flying away on a dragon <laughs> to go warn the world, potentially. I want to I make sure it's a dragon otter. 
Dragon Otter. Thank you. Dragon. I need to get my double animal names <laughs> for <the> Avatar. <laughs> um, and so we were saved from General Shi by Elder Pan Chen. And to Elder Pan Chen's own detriment. Yes, and we're picturing Elder Pan Chen as a, and as a very elderly person, I think. We didn't decide. I think that's what I'm envisioning, but... Yeah, so we, we flee, we, we had fled on the Dragon Honor, and then wherever we were, we were in some village, and this elder kind of looked out for us. I mean, it probably could be Chin. What do we think about it being Chin Village? Uh, it's right there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's fine. Yeah, we're I'm familiar. thinking they maybe they just, you know, created a diversion or something. Uh -huh. Or at least stood in the way of Fire Nation troops. And I, I think we talked about, too, it being the sort of thing where, like, you get to Chin Village and maybe they initially let the fire nation sort of like rummage through the town looking for you guys and at some point there's a change in in elder punchin's attitude and they decide to create a diversion to allow you guys to escape but you don't know what happens to them after that mm. right and that is gonna hang heavy on us oh yeah are you feeling it? You feeling the weight of your decisions now? Uh, I haven't even made them yet, but I guess I have. <laughs> <laughs> and and that would, I think, is what we said where the pilot would end, right? It's just you guys flying away from Chin Village. With a new sense of yeah, purpose. sense of purpose. To inform the Earth King that the Fire Nation is coming. Having ostensibly just failed the trolley problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The good old trolley problem. Classic. You're going to need to bring people up to speed on the trolley problem. Uh, I've... Uh, let's see. The trolley problem is really simple. Uh, you just kill the person who ever keeps tying people to the That's tracks. And there's, just, there's no more problems. So there's no more ethical dilemmas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So like I instead like you presented with the option of saving one or the other track and you're like, no, no, no both tracks are gone. I'm going to get the guy who originally did this. Yeah, this right the the tracks. Yeah. It's a trolley problem, but it's not a trolley. It's just a car and you can go anywhere you want. <laughs> yeah. I'm running this guy down. It's very, uh, I like that Looney Tunes answer to the trolley problem. That's good. That's all I got. <laughs> That's the only energy I have. Uh, it, I would like to point out that the fastest way to um, Bossing Se from uh, Chin Village is to cross the Siwang Desert. Yes. I'm not saying we should do that. Yes. We should probably not do that. But if a bunch of kids were in a rush and they needed to get somewhere really fast, they might try to take the shortest route. Oh, man. And well, the Foggy Swamp is on the way, too. Oh, Mashu's close. All right. Well, this is fun. Okay. I like seeing, I love maps. I'm a big map guy. So I like having the map up and seeing, you know, tracking where you're, where you've been and where you're going. So yeah, I also got mine up. All right. So we've got our, our 
group focus to deliver the news of the destruction of the air nomads in the incoming destruction of the earth kingdom to the earth king during act one you guys learned the frightening plans of general she who was on her way to attack the earth kingdom after being instrumental in destroying the southern air temple you got captured by her but you stole a dragon otter from one of her captains captain Sycon, and flew on the dragon otter thanks to Liko towards Chin Village, and it's at Chin Village where you were almost captured again, but thanks to Elder Pan Chen, they, she stood in your way and allowed you to escape. But who are these people? Who are, who are you guys playing? So why don't we just go around and you can say what playbook you've chosen. We'll start there. Sure. So I'm Steve Durgan playing the character of Ren Song, and I've chosen the idealist. Why don't you also do, sorry, and just do a training and fighting style as well, too. Sure. And since I'm forgetting what the idealist means, you can help me. <laughs> I definitely can. <laughs> um, so the idealist is... It's someone who has, uh, has seen a lot of trauma in their life and now holds to a certain set of, of beliefs that they think strengthen those around them. Awesome. Yeah, I want to awaken hope in people around me. I know the world's rough and it's been rough for me, but trying to trying to do something with it. I chose the fighting style of the Kyoshi fan, the war fan. So super excited about that. And then uh, you also asked us for what? Uh, well, uh, your uh, fighting style and training. Your training in this case is you're a non-bender of the group. I am the only non-bender, so I just have weapons. Just have weapons. I just have <laughs> war fans, but don't worry. They're pretty, you know, pretty serious business. So I'll be able to keep up. I mean, I think Suki could take Sokka any day. Well, well that's both non-bender versus non-bender. I think Suki could take a bunch of benders. We've seen her take a bunch of benders. I think so. I think so. And I hope I can live up to that eventually. All right. All right. Should we do our look as well so people can picture? Yeah. Why don't you just do that? Why don't okay. you tell us what your character looks like? Tell them their name, fighting style, training. Yeah. yeah. So Ren, Ren Song's description I wrote up here. Um, you see a boy of 16 in a black short robe with emerald trim. He has tousled dark hair, just long enough to hide his eyes. At his waist, you can see two war fans of iron and bamboo that hang by a cord, and they're painted gold and black. His posture is tense, his eyes wistful and far away. I love it. I love the idea of following up um, that description with a contrast of Osa's <laughs> description, if you like. Take it away, Johnny. Oh, Johnny, I'm taking it <laughs> Take it uh, away, more like running away. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll go next. Uh, Nicholas Coffin, I'll be playing uh, Chainal Launcher. He is, uh, this, I'm using the successor playbook. Uh, which also allows me to do different two different kinds of training, uh, which is very specific to him. His first training is earthbending, and his second training is going to be uh, like high technology. 
Do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about what the successor's shtick is? Oh, yeah. So the successor, like it sounds, is he's the next, he's the heir of something. He's He's got this legacy that he's got to live up to uh, that's being passed down through to him through his family, through, you know, some sort of tie. For him, it is specifically his family. And him dealing with the implications of being the heir to this legacy or idea or family and it's a it's specifically a like an infamous lineage so it's it's oh, usually yes. a little less savory than other families <laughs> yeah so not not a great not a great look for him we'll probably get more into that as we get deeper into the mm-hmm. character backstories but yeah for his training um he is an earthbender uh but also has access to technology uh which comes to his fighting style combines and he creates a like sort of pseudo firebending by earthbending and combining in like a blasting jelly and combustible materials so that's his his shtick how uh how does he do that so quickly practice he he's all you know he 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 was raised by a firebender um and he always wanted to emulate their style as closely as possible um to his so as to not be a disappointment and um basically he keeps um he wears like metal gauntlets on his hands steel uh and he keeps uh flints in like a wrist like pouch that on each Mm. wrist which he then bends against the metal whenever he has like a you know some sort of trick prepped with be it like you know he's thrown out some gunpowder or something or he's you know hovered rocks covered with blasting jelly to create the look of a fireball that way he's always ready to spark it up and get it going. He's, he's got like a flamethrower, essentially. Basically, yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I had, to, had to have a flamethrower. Couldn't get away with it. There you go. This is, uh, for those that, uh, this is not official, but we've now introduced the first flamethrower. Uh, yes. As early into, uh, I guess there are other flamethrower type things, but this is the earliest. Too. There are firebenders, yeah. so they're kind of they're kind of living flamethrowers. That's a good point. Yeah, I was I was uh, I was preparing for uh, a one shot that we were doing, and it was set in Bossing Say, and in my head I was like, when did they introduce trains? And I totally forgot that the earthbenders are just the trains. They're just like pushing the yeah, like train <laughs> like along the like earth, and I was like, oh yeah, why would they? Of course they. That's of course that's what they do. <laughs> A job's a job, man. I mean, it's a great way to use that earthbending. <laughs> it is really interesting to think about all the ways in which society would change if you people widespread had these abilities. Magic abilities, yeah. yeah for sure. But yeah, no, for Chainao, who goes by Che, um, he's got a pretty sturdy build. Kind of like an earthbender, but he has the dark hair kind of close-cropped very clean cut but also the uh, almond shaped eyes of a firebender so I like it taste of what he's gonna look like not not as poetic as, as uh, Ren Song's introduction but that's what he looks I'm like just, I'm still speaking. waiting for Osas so <laughs> <laughs> there's a spectrum of descriptions for sure Red songs on one side and and Osa's no on the other. Way to do it. 
Except Osa's is still very, very vivid. So we've been talking about him. Johnny, why don't you, why don't you introduce us to Osa? Yeah. Okay. So I'm playing Osa and he is uh, a, so the playbook I'm using is the hammer. And uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, the hammer is basically someone who's just looking for faces to punch. Osa's got, got a little bit of rage and he's looking for somewhere to channel it, but he is an airbender. And I described his fighting style as Kung Fu Panda. Uh, if you haven't seen Kung Fu Panda, the best way I can kind of describe that fighting style for you is he likes to uh, use whatever's at his disposal while doing everything in his power to avoid getting hit himself. And Osa is pretty tall. He's about 6'2". He's very, very uh, rotund, to put it mildly. And he's always smiling, always looks like he's uh, thinking about some joke that he's not telling you. Uh, but that smile rarely touches his eyes. And one of the other things that really stands out about Osa is that uh, despite being around 16 um, and so pretty, pretty old in terms of young airbenders, he conspicuously has no uh, airbending tattoos. So that did go deeper than I remembered, because what I see on the sheet here is just Kung Fu Panda, but a human airbender. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do like the depth that you uh, you brought into it there. It's funny too, as the entire time I was thinking, well, when I watched Kung Fu Panda, I was literally like, well, this is just Jack Black, but a panda. <laughs> so you brought it full circle to it's Jack Black, but a panda, but a human airbender. That's mm -hmm. right. That's right. <laughs> yep. Now I will never not see Jack. Like, I feel like if you were to choose an actor to play your character, it would be like a young Jack Black. He, he's a little short for what I'm envisioning. Okay. All right. I'm personally impressed as to what Os has been able to accomplish on that vegetarian diet of the airbenders. Really Dear God. That's one of the big things about Osa is you will notice also if you uh, if you're paying attention, he is rarely eating vegetables and oh he's an airbender, but there's a lot of meat going into that mouth. Oh we got a bunch of rule breakers in this group. <laughs> Rebels. Alright, we're down to our last two characters. Who's going next? Danny or Monroe? Fight. <laughs> Fight. I can go. All right, that was easy. <laughs> um, my name is Monroe, and I am playing a character named Liko. She's from Foggy Swamp. Uh, her training style, oh, her playbook uh, thing is, uh, she's the icon, and her fighting, her training style is water bending, and her fighting style is ice knuckles. And as far as her look goes, she's pretty lean. She has an undercut with long hair that is usually held half up with piercing green eyes. I'm trying to keep up with uh, Ren Song's description here. She has a side head tattoo of a dragon. And she also has burn scars on her back that she hides at all cost. It has also distorted her back tattoo of her tribe. And she's also 17. I think, she, is she the oldest then? I think there was one other person that was 17, I thought, but I'm not quite sure. I think Osa and Rensong are 16. both 16. Uh, 
Ooh. We haven't heard from Rosic yet, but uh, how old is Che? Are you envisioning? Che is 15. 15? Okay. Yeah. I, I think Rosic is the older brother, right? Okay, yeah, so Rosic might be around the same age, but he, you know, Liko might be the oldest, which kind of is interesting placing her in that, sort of automatically places her in that leadership role, essentially. Uh, whether or not she wants But it. also being the only girl. And being the only girl, yeah. So who knows if she'll be taken seriously. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Um, Depends on our characters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and how dumb they are. Uh, for those who are, are following along or are a little unfamiliar, the icon, their whole thing is they're the representative of a tradition and they sort of have to hold to certain standards. And so they're just trying to figure out how do they live a life as a, a teenager and yet still hold to some of these oftentimes too strict things. Um, I did have one question and we when we first did this we we're like what is Liko's fighting style we're like ice knuckles how cool is ice knuckles now i don't know if you've watched the foggy swamp episodes yet but the foggy swamp tribe has a really unique way of water bending they like essentially bend the water in vines to like whip vines around and create like vine monsters and all these things so where did she learn ice knuckles from someone at the foggy Tr swamp tribe was it something she learned maybe after leaving the foggy swamp tribe i think she was introduced to it in at foggy swamp but then learned how to master it on her own she's a she's a bit of a lone wolf this one so i would think that a lot of what she does do in general is that she has someone introduce her to something and then she takes it off from there it's like part of her personality i like it okay so maybe yeah someone at the foggy zone was like eh, theoretically i guess we could make ice out of our our water bending and she's like oh okay i like how how my people talk like that but that's cool that's you, literally you, i will not make you talk like that <laughs> but if we have that's cool, if we have swaggy trump try people come up i will be talking like that I mean, sounds good. Isn't that how they speak in the That's show? That's why I left, guys. <laughs> That's what I have to deal with at home. Very fair. <laughs> I can't. Where are you going, Liko? Liko, get back here now. <laughs> Y'all come back now, you're here. <laughs> but I don't want to go there. We just lost, we just lost like a bunch of our southern. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Guys, come back. Oh, <laughs> come back. <laughs> No, you need to say y'all come back. No, <laughs> no. Y'all come back. I feel like we're just digging a deep hole. Yeah, oh, yeah probably. Oh, well, Danny, you're finally up. You got to finally. I know up. you've been hiding, but you got to tell us about. I Rosa. didn't. I didn't just add some of these details just now. Damn. These these were in. I these are were all things that have been in my mind, but I was just like they're not written down at all. And now it's set in stone or set in Google Sheets, if you will. But um, yeah, so I'm playing Rosak Longshire, um, the brother or yep. yeah, of yeah. <laughs> Shane Al Longshire. You guys just randomly share the same last name. Yeah, yeah no, we are actually we're actually just best friends <laughs> who have last name. <laughs> Um, he is a 
firebending citizen of the Earth Kingdom. Is this? Is that what we decided that the dad's a firebender and the mom's an earthbender? Okay, yes. I'm just making sure. Life's complicated. Life's so complicated, guys. But um, yeah, he's a firebender raised by his earthbending mother. Um, him and his mother um live in Bossing Se now because they had some complications where they used to live and so they went to Bossing Se real fast but um yeah he's a firebender his specific fighting style is a more defensive fighting style where he focuses on making walls of fire and protecting himself and those who he's with and speaking of protection the playbook I chose was the guardian and what the rulebook says about the Guardian is the Guardian defends someone close to them, steadfast and watchful. So I guess you play the Guardian if you want to be the first to see danger coming and the but last what, line of defense. What do you say? That's what the rulebook says. But yeah. in your heart, Danny. In Rosak's heart, his main focus of being the Guardian is his younger brother, Shane Howe. He is He's a protective person in general. But his focus of protection is his brother. Would you wants to. Uh, go so far as to call him your ward? Whoa. <laughs> That's so meta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, ward is um, something that the Guardian chooses. And it's... It's the person they're trying to protect. The person they're trying to protect. Yep. Uh, did you... Sorry... Uh, did you tell us what Rosak looks like? Uh, yes. Rosak is a more like slim cut guy. He has black hair cut into a bowl cut because he's a little dork. And he has green <laughs> eyes. And he always dresses like a dirty street dweller. I'm picturing like Rock Lee from Naruto, but after yeah, getting dirtied up from a fight. <laughs> <laughs> But all the time. Yeah. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Wakes up like that. Um, I will have some... I mean, that, that bowl cut, I don't know how it stays perfect yeah, all the time. I have a picture, but I'm trying to figure out how to um, upload it here. I can't get a... Yeah. I'll should be able to just drag and drop. Yeah. Really? Okay, I'll try that. Yeah. It, uh, it's like the... Are we allowed to ask questions? Please, ask questions. Yes. Uh, for this is for Nick and Danny. Are you guys the same age, like twins, or um, did, were your parents like together for a while and then like something happened and they're like, "I'm just gonna take one and you take the other"? Like, is this a parent trap type of thing, <laughs> or what happened? Oh, could we change it to be that? <laughs> Even if it was, it is now. It is now. It's a parent <laughs> trap thing. Yeah. It, it wasn't the plan before. So uh, I don't know. We I don't think we just like I think uh, Rosak was gonna be the older brother, um, not much older, but older. Yeah. Maybe like maybe minutes. they're like Irish twins. <laughs> What's Irish twins? How do you define Irish twins? Irish, Irish twins, twins is where you get pregnant like immediately. Oh yeah. Show. One mother having two children who were born twelve months or less apart. Oh. I like how you you offered that as a solution. And then I didn't like, even know what it was. I just heard this. Wait, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> D Danny offering Rep solutions. Representing my <laughs> Irish ancestry, I was like, what does this mean? All of a sudden, I was like, are they talking about me? Am I an Irish twin? Some probably oh, hidden uh, 
Let me, let me offer a vaguely racist solution. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. thinking of that term, and I'm like, that sounds mm, not great. <laughs> not great. Yeah, no. But um, uh, I think Rose looks 17 as well, honestly. Okay. That makes the most sense. So if, that makes like two-ish. So, so him and Liko are, are the oldest. Um, yeah, but to explain that situation more. I, oh, yeah, um, I was going to ask, actually. Yeah, so Rose and so their mother kind of ran off with both of them. Um, but being the successor uh, playbook that I chose, uh, their father isn't exactly, you know, the most upstanding of citizens and sent his employees after them. Uh, but they only managed to take Chena, uh before um, their mother and Rosa got away. So when, when was that? Like, how long ago did the three of you run away from your father? Very long. Okay. Uh, Danny, what do you think about that? I don't know. How old do you think you want to be for that? Like when you ran away? Yeah. I think it should be determined by you. Like, how old do you think Rosic should be for that? When that happened? Yeah. I think um, maybe when... Shaynao was um 13 and Rosic was 15. Okay, so, so not that long. Okay, so it's a couple years. Oh, oh, you oh, you mean like longer than like like longer. I mean, I'm thinking like the I'm sort fine. of thing that like Rosic would have a clear memory of, but Shaynao wouldn't because it was, oh, he was yeah, too that's young. kind of yeah. what I was thinking. Oh, towards, oh, oh, we don't have to know. All right, I just think your character should design. I like that. I actually, yeah, do, the, I actually do kind of like that. That weighs on, you know, that's a that's a big part of I would imagine Rosic's character is this sort yeah. of yeah. And I like that because it doesn't of... weigh as much on Shaynao. Yeah, maybe that can be a fact. Okay, so, yeah, so, so maybe Shana... maybe it was like what? Like I'm only two years older than you, though, so that's kind of hard. Yeah, so you'd have to be yeah, like could five. Have like yeah, five and a uh, and if he's a toddler, he might yeah. not remember. At least not clearly. All, much, no. the, all the details. Yeah. yeah. So when Shayna was like five? No, when. No, Shayna was no. three. Oh, when Rosa oh, was yeah. five. Rosa was five. So it was like okay. 12, you know, some years ago. Maybe, uh, maybe Rosa was already like a master firebender when he was five. And he was like, I'm a firebender and you're going to have to deal with it. What's <laughs> <laughs> to do with it? Is that the voice you're choosing for this entire campaign? <laughs> yep, there it is. It's been locked in. Hey, it's Rosic Launcher! I'm the Gordon! You just never matured past that. <laughs> Brother, <laughs> you sound exactly the same as you did 12 years ago. Your arrest was traumatizing! Uh, oh, no. I mean, I can't stop oh, you from doing that. <laughs> I can. I live near it. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. we'll send you a <laughs> like, yeah, we need a voice change oh, yeah. from Danny. Maybe that can be the voice of a vine. What? Remember that vine with the kid where he's like, I've got the power of God and energy. That can be the voice of um Cabbage Man's like great grandfather. <laughs> ah, my cabbages! All right. Well, now yeah. that glad we glad we established that. <laughs> For all of you listening yeah. to this canonically, that's the Cabbage Man's great grandfather's voice. Uh, well, since we've got into it, why don't we 
we've done a little bit in history, but um, Danny, why don't you just like just you don't have to, you know, ask and answer each question, but just give us the overview of Rosic's sort of history. All right, I'm still gonna scroll down to that section because it'll yeah, make it easier to answer these questions. History. All right. <coughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, like a huge, basically the foundation of a lot of the foundation of what shapes Rosak as a person is definitely that that rescue of his brother. Um, he kind of bases most of his most of his um. I guess ethical problem solving and morality is stemmed from that. Um, his mother, of course, had a very um, heavy impact on his life as well. You know, um, being more fortunate than Chanel was and actually living with, you know, the loving parent. Um, Sorry, Chanel. Wow, I'm rubbing in. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> it's fine. Oh wait, Chanel yeah. is listening. <laughs> oh no! But um, yeah, his mother's the, their mother's name is Sanfen, by the way. And so and your I'd say father's name. The father's name is Nauzo, right? Nauzo, Nauzo. Yep, right there. Sanfen and Nauzo. Yep, not sitting in tree though. They. Yep. Um, yep. So I'd say the two, I guess, heavy, like determining factors of like that, you know, build and like make, um, Rosak's character is the rescue of his brother and, um, an incident with his mother where, um, he hurt her while he was firebending training because, you know, his mother still being a loving mother didn't want, you know, Rosak to be shameful of his firebending heritage, I guess, and wanted him to continue to progress in his skills. But through that progression, uh, Rosak ended up hurting her. And so now he he goes back and forth between this, like, um, you know, am I worthy to protect people if I like might hurt them? Mm. And I need to like protect my brother. The big thing that he struggles with a lot. And uh, you've got a sort of rival as well, too, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he used to have a close friend, Dosa. He was also a firebender because looks at Dosa as someone who betrayed him because Dosa joined in the efforts of the Fire Nation. So but you said you were living in Ba Sing Se, yes? Yeah. That's, that's interesting. I would imagine, I mean... This isn't Korra, right? So there's no United Republic mm-hmm. city. You're maybe the only two firebenders in Boston. Yeah. Maybe that's why they were so close. Maybe that's why you're close. Maybe and maybe Dosa, that's, yeah, you were right. training with Dorsa and mm-hmm. your mom. Mm-hmm. And that would, I would imagine that would be incredibly like trust breaking. If the only yeah. other firebender you've known growing up joined the Fire Nation. Mm-hmm. Dang. Dang. Uh, well, let's just jump over to your brother. 
and let's hear a little bit about sort of the backstory and history of Che. All right, what do you want to know? Well, I mean, you can just give us a, a brief overview of some of those those history questions. You don't have to, you know, ask answer uh, each one, but just sort of the overview. I do want to know specifically. I'd love to hear from you how what Che was thinking, like as he's being rescued. Like it almost seems like he didn't want to be rescued, maybe a little bit. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. So I think. For most of his life, Che had just kind of like really tried to be the son that his father wanted him to be, be you know this heir to this this throne apparent, but um, just never felt like he matched up. You know the silent like disapproval. You know, just knew, knew fundamentally that his dad was never that cool with grabbing the Earthbender son, and just trying to compensate for that and deal with it and just kind of silently like putting all of that on top of himself which like it's not even that he had necessarily like examined like what his father was doing and super disagreed with it or even was really that critical of the fire nation he probably considers himself pretty fire nation being raised by his father but yeah when rosa came it was just this this out of like I'm here to take you away, you know, and it was just this chance to not have that over him. And he just he didn't realize how bad he wanted that because he had never even considered it. And he just leapt at it. Mm. Uh, and, you know, as he as we go through the pilot, I think his his experience would very much be this like slowly dawning realization of like, oh, actually, I was involved in something really messed up. Mm. And uh, I actually am really glad that I'm not a part of this. And maybe I'm going to, I don't know where I'm going from here, but maybe I'm at least glad that I'm not under it anymore. And we'll, we'll see where that takes him. Um, does your father's organization have a name? I can't remember if I'd come up with a name. Ah, uh, not yet. I don't have a name. Uh... Well, there. So there are two things. Just cracking up, thinking <laughs> of names. There. Yeah. The White Claw. <laughs> the Angry Orchard. Oh my god. They've been. They have control of military command, right? That's one of their domains, right. and they're trying to get into land ownership. Um. Do you? So do you envision them as just like a, a cog in the Fire Nation army, or are they sort of like a? like a unit or like a, a special group of yeah so I, I i think i'd view them as like a special unit of like preliminary like s almost sleeper cell agents mm -hmm. of like collecting resources and sort of prepping to be ready for the eventual evasion um yeah i don't know first the the when you said name the flame that waits pops into my head mm. because that, that would be a good passphrase, but I don't think that would be a name for their organization um, or something like that. But yeah, I don't, a name really isn't coming to mind. Um, I'm like, I'm almost thinking like, in, uh, this is more like spy movie, but like, I'm thinking like, uh, like Project Embers. It's like Embers are like the like end that. of like a fire. But I want to go like the beginning of a fire, like 
I don't know, but I don't know where how that project would be. spark. I do like that. Um, and you said there's a passphrase. Oh yeah, the fire that waits. Uh, is there a um, like a response? It feels like if something is like. Oh yeah, um, that that would probably be the response, right? Or maybe like the fire that waits burns brightest. Leaves the biggest mark on the earth. Scorches the earth. Ah yes, there we go. <laughs> yeah, you can't go with that, man. The Fire Nation's more poetic than that. Leaves the biggest mark. It blows up stuff. It uh, <laughs> it's it's a lot of fire. It's just just a lot of fire. <laughs> It just burns a lot. Good, you can come in. That's the password. <laughs> it just keeps burning. <laughs> it's a. It would be hard to remember that though. Like if someone just heard that, and you have to get it like that you had to specific. Do it stuttering and all. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, it's like uh, it's like uh, there's a really big fire in it, and, like burns stuff. Yeah, you're good. Come in. <laughs> um, is there like a symbol too that you would maybe know? other members of this by other than just a passphrase or is it mostly the passphrase i'm thinking like like an unlit torch mm. or something an unlit lantern okay something like that i like it okay i like it i like it i like it um all right, who's up next? Why don't we, well, let's just move down the line. Let's go backwards, Liko. Um, you, again, you don't have to like ask and answer each of those history questions at the bottom, but just sort of give us like a, our listeners a general overview of, of who Liko is and, and where she comes from. Do you think it might be helpful for those who are also playing to, to hear the questions? Sure, if you want to ask, yeah. I don't know, I'm just, I don't really know how to go about it with that. I'm the new yeah, one here, absolutely. so. What um, oh, so the question is, what tradition do you represent as its icon, and why can't you set down the role? So the tradition that I represent is the Foggy Swamp Way, and why can't I set the down set down the role is because I never break my vows, because that's also part of the Foggy Swamp Way. <laughs> so. Um, who is your chief mentor teaching you the nature of your burden and its value? So my character, Liko, had a foster mother named Kanu. She taught her the ways to survive in this world and how to be on your own and the lonely loneliness it entails. And I'm also going to throw in there that she probably started teaching her how to do the mm. ice knuckles. Who showed you that even with the weight of your burden, you could still find ways to play? Now, this is where I think I got confused with her history with dragons, because uh, we put down here dragon otter rue. So, in, to change it just a little bit from what I thought I was doing, because apparently I didn't know what I was doing. Um, at this point, before she meets rue, she she didn't get that uh, that display anybody because she was pretty much a lone wolf and uh so during this uh this game that we're going to be playing she's going to start learning um she's going to start getting that example from from rue and also kind of shows her connection with nature and animals as well so that's coming up 
what token of your burden and tradition do you always carry? She carries a foggy swamp emblem, which is a tattoo hidden on her back. And if you remember her, the way how she looked is that her she was burnt on her back, so her emblem has been distorted. And um, I'm hoping that's going to build up some really good uh, character development between her and the only Fire Nation member and why she has a certain point of view of Fire Nation and uh, and also what that means to her because she takes her vows so seriously and she has such pride where she comes from despite the way they speak uh, um, but to have that kind of distorted on her back and there's no way to fix it. I love that too, especially with uh, Danny's guardian having burned his mother too. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, that's good. Um, it's also funny because it comes in layers with how Danny's a firebender, but uh, Chinao was raised as a mm-hmm, fire nation mm-hmm. kind of kid. I, I am glad. I, I like the way that. Sorry, I have some questions for Liko, but I was going to say I really like the way you guys. Uh, took your brother sibling because when you first pitched it, I was like, I mean, that just sounds like Mako and Bolin. But um, I like the the swap of the Firebender and the Earth Kingdom and the Earth Earth Citizen and the yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. Um, Liko, did you know your parents? I was thinking that as I was ta- yeah. saying that. I think she has a slight remembrance of her of her parents, but it's not that clear. I think the reason why she's more comfortable alone, because there's also some things in here. I don't know if we're going to be talking about it later, so I won't say it. But there's some things about her character and her personality where she's she's very straightforward and kind of stays true to her to her goals. And I think that that might be the reason why, because she they weren't a really big part of her life. So if she does remember them or she has she does know them, it's very, mm-hmm. very little. Does she like remember what happened or like why she's on her own or? I'm going to say just to add some difference in um, in this whole group here is that she doesn't okay. know. I love that. Uh, for this, this is a tip for you as new to this. As a GM, I love that because that gives me so much room to do literally anything with your parents, right? Like the fact yeah. that you're just saying, I don't know what happened to them. It means that it, it can be, be anything. anything. I can surprise you at any point with your parents. Um, and so GMs absolutely. love that sort of stuff because it gives me a lot of room yeah. to play with it. I also think it's a little representative of like real life. Sometimes we don't really, we don't get yeah. to know these answers or we don't get to know it's what true. happened. We certainly don't figure it out by 16 or 17. Oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely not. Exactly. So, or ever sometimes for some people. Uh, I did have a question about Liko. Um, so the with the fog swamp, it's it's like really big, uh, and uh, the uh, even the the dude in the episode, the, you haven't gotten there yet, but there's the episode where the foggy swamp is introduced. The dude that they end up meeting there, who uh, there's at least one guy. There's like the tribe that they meet um, who talks kind of funny, but there's also another guy who actually isn't from the swamp. He he came there later. Um, his name is Shin. And um, he just kind of like took it upon himself to like live in the swamp because he just liked how close it was with nature. So 
I don't know if that intrigues you. I just, there, I'm just saying there's like a precedent precedent in lore for like your master to be not necessarily of like the Foggy Swamp tribe, or but just maybe somebody spiritual who like appreciates the spirituality of the swamp and how close it is with how pure of an expression of nature it is. Just wanted to throw that out there. Oh, thanks. Well, um, Osa, why don't you, uh, Jenna, why don't you tell us a little bit about Osa? Yeah. Um, so I'll go, I'm mean, going to keep it pretty, I'll still keep it brief, but I'll go a little deeper than what I actually wrote here. Um, so Osa ended up at the uh, air temple a little bit later than a lot of other airbenders go um, and didn't stay crazy long. Um, but he really appreciated while he was there. Um, Monk Pasang and Monk Gyatso both went out of their way to try and make him feel like less of an outsider and, and uh, try to help him like fit in and, and understand the ways that the air nomads live by, but it didn't really work out super well. Um, and so he left, uh, but after um, he was trying to go back and, and talk to them about something uh, when he saw the, the air temple, the Southern air temple destroyed. And so he basically, as soon as he saw that happen, decided that he wanted to use the strength that he does have for, for good and has set his sights on, uh, he specifically wants to find General Shi and depose her. And I think to um, some, just some questions. Uh, mm-hmm. He he's not originally from the Air Nomad tribes, right? Like he didn't grow up there. He yeah he he grew up in a uh, Earth Kingdom town that's too small to have a name um, with non-bender parents. He's the only only known bender in his family. Okay. And that's super interesting because I feel like that's, yeah, that's, uh, that is something I was wondering is like, how are air nomads, do they come about before, like in, we see harmonic convergence in Korra, but like, Mm -hmm. you don't see, yeah, a lot of fraternizing between the air nomads like you do in the other nations. So I think that's, I I like the way you went with that to have it be an Earth Kingdom citizen that becomes an airbender. I mean, I, I did think too, like, for whatever it's worth that he's from the town he's from is close to the northern air temple okay. which is like essentially in earth kingdom mm-hmm. territory mm-hmm. it's just this like pocket in earth kingdom land um and so he's from near there so it's possible that there's airbenders mm-hmm. and he's like maybe there's some fragmentation between those two but, <laughs> yeah but his parents were definitely not yeah. vendors oh that's uh i'm looking at the map that's close to a uh, a place called Lakima's Peak. Uh, have you heard of Guru Lakima? No. He is a accomplished. Oh. Oh, you actually haven't heard of Guru Lakima? No, because that's what. Uh, Everyone who's anyone's heard is of Guru Lakima. Yeah. Wow, Danny. He, uh, <laughs> oh, it's been a while since you watched Korra, I guess, then. Yeah, it has. Season three. That's yeah. all we're going to say. Is that the person who discovers how to fly? Yeah, yeah that's his. He's yeah. always oh, he's like right. a. Yeah, I was never mind. I won't make that joke. Uh, but he's always like, "Have you heard about Guru Lahima?" Yeah, it's like, have you ever heard the definition of insanity? But Korra's version. Have of you that one. had heard the word of our Lord? <laughs> our Lord and Savior Guru, Guru Lahima. Guru Lahima. 
Uh, <laughs> all right, last but not least is uh, Ren Song. Steve, why don't you tell us a little bit about Ren Song and you know what kind of drives him and that sort of thing? Sure. So Ren Song needs to have a tragedy that befell him at a young age. Um, I decided to go with a, I don't know, perhaps less traditional tragedy. My parents are both alive and well. I just really don't like them and they don't like me. And they didn't like me first for the record. <laughs> so um, they had, I mean, obviously this didn't happen overnight. There was a lot of like high demands and rejection that I experienced from a super young age. But at some point they made it clear that I would never be a part of this family unless I followed their exact footsteps. Uh, and I've decided that for them, that meant essentially taking over the estate, um, handling family business matters, uh, a lot of kind of like, it's a privileged background, a lot of like maintaining face and those sorts of things um, for the sake of the family name. And I just never felt like I could fit into that mold or satisfy it. And so I started to consciously rebel. Um, I asked to leave, um, and my, the only way that I was able to justify that while staying on Kyoshi Island, where I was born and raised was to become a Kyoshi warrior, uh, which is interesting because those are only females, um, and I present as a male. <laughs> so, um, so the Kyoshi warriors, um, I was allowed to be with them for my parents because I thought, ah, this military stuff will straighten Ren out. You know, it'll be helpful. Um, you know, let him run off to that. It's kind of like a short leash. Um, and the Kyoshi warriors taught me to stuff my emotions, to focus on my training as a warrior. And in that way it was helpful. Um, but I ran away from that too. <laughs> because I, I just wasn't feeling like I could be a Kyoshi warrior either. So I've kept the clothes, kept the fans, kept all that I learned, but ran away from them. So I'm sort of a double runaway at this point. Um, and uh, yeah, I carry a key to my parents' house with me. Um, and that's just kind of a reminder of the legacy that I chose to leave behind and a little symbol of freedom and choices. Um, so yeah, that's that's Ren Song. Steve, why don't you just keep going? Let's real quickly circle back around and we'll do our connection questions because I like those as well too. So every playbook has two connection questions that will tie them specifically to someone else in the party. Um, so these, why don't you go ahead and read them and, and give your answer? Sure. I recognize some of the pain that I've felt inside of Chanel and I'm going to try to help Chanel. I feel like there's a connection there. Yeah, it's really very reflective of our, our stories. Are of each we other. both have some some parent burden stuff going. Oh yeah. On. So I just want to make you happy, Dad, but now I don't. Anyway, um, and uh, the second connection is that Osa frustrates me so much uh, when he acts uh, without thinking about the consequences, which is funny because. You think as a double runaway that I'm not thinking about the consequences, <laughs> but really I am. I'm like, these are great consequences. <laughs> I might be an optimist to a fault, but I do think about the consequences. Unbridled <laughs> freedom? Absolutely. Sign me up. <laughs> Let me take it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Osa, why don't you answer your connection questions for us? 
Yeah, so uh, Chainow has a way of solving problems with words instead of fists, and it's really impressive to me. Um, because I only know how to use my fists. And I worry that Ren Song won't be able to hold their own when things get tough. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna toughen him up. Uh, how, Ren Song, how do you feel about that? I felt that. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about it, but I felt you, something. You feel something about it. <laughs> I like how those relationships, like those views of each other, are kind of like equal but opposite. Mm-hmm. Like, <clears throat> oh yeah, we'll be talking. <laughs> You know, I mean, I definitely don't want to be underestimated. So I guess maybe I feel like I'm being misread already mm. as like a flake. Mm. But who knows? We'll see. Toughen me up, Osa. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on. All right, Liko, why don't you answer your connection questions for us? Okay. Uh, Osa seems to not fully understand what it means that I'm the icon of my tradition and I kind of like feeling free around them. My other connection is Che makes me feel better about my responsibilities and my burden with a smile and a few kind words. Hmm. Which is a little interesting considering what happens in the next uh, next connection. <laughs> che, why don't you answer your connection questions? And uh, for our listeners too, and for those new to the game, uh, we've we've answered these questions with people in the party. It's a blank space for someone else in your party. So these aren't supplied by us, obviously. Right, so my, this one would be blank, has major concerns, what else? But I chose, Liko has major concerns, fears, or grievances with my lineage and by proxy, me. Um, which makes sense considering she was assaulted by some sort of Fire Nation member. But I think there are times where just in interaction, we can, we've like moved past that. And so I think Che is kind of just like a nice kid and has like been able to support her, even though on the surface, she's kind of like, hey, Fire Nation though, I don't know about that. It's her pride. It's fair. <clears throat> Uh, then it was uh, Ren seems free of their past in a way I wish I could let go of mine uh, hearing them talk about their future feels amazing so join with me <laughs> yes like the that. other side of that question <laughs> <laughs> he's like this like anarchist is right next to him and he's lived his whole life like prim and proper and he's like this, this is starting to sound pretty sweet <laughs> alright yeah so that's uh, perfect let's try uh, Danny, once you answer your your uh, once you answer Rosex connection questions. All right. The first one is uh, Shay. Now is my ward. They need me to have their back. End of story. You're nothing without me. If I wasn't here, you'd be you'd be squashed like a bug. Shay. Now you'd be burned like a like a like a pancake like a, like a pancake forgotten in the morning. <laughs> Like a foreman grill of bacon. Let's do it um, and my second question, <laughs> my second connection is Liko looks like they're more than capable without my help. I'm glad some of us can take care of ourselves because um I didn't realize that uh that Liko's the oldest too mm-hmm. when you answered that initially. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I realize it either, but it all works out, doesn't it? 
<laughs> yeah. A little passive aggressive. <laughs> <thing. laughs> no, I, it's 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 kind of um. <laughs> no, I, yeah, it's cool for me, but the rest of them. Oh yeah, no, I mean because <laughs> to say about yeah, us. some of us can take care of ourselves. <laughs> You know, I mean, Oza doesn't even have his arrows, and Rensong can't bend, so. <laughs> yeah, and he also thinks like that I'm a wee, a wee little baby. <laughs> I also think that Shaynao is still three years old. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely a cognitive distortion. Oh, Shay, do you need to do work you need on a that? diaper change? <laughs> Older brothers have that. I can, I can confirm. That's true. <laughs> All right. Those are all the connection questions we've done. We've delved a little bit more into, I think, the characters in the campaign to the point where I think it makes a little bit more sense. But that um, that's sort of an overview of what a zero session would look like. There's a few more mechanical choices that you would you would make. And um, you can listen to our, our first episode to kind of hear what some of those other mechanical choices are. Uh, we're going to release this episode and the first episode we record and uh, our, our next our second episode as well all at the same time. So if you want to listen to us fiddling around with like mechanical choices and whatnot, you can listen to the first episode. If you just like character and backstory and interaction, you can just listen to this. This should still be enough to get you into the story. Um, or you can listen to both if you like hearing us make mechanical choices and make general she jokes uh you can listen to the first episode and you can listen to us talk about our characters in this episode too please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts and i heard that if you give us a five-star review johnny will come to your house and cook you a five-star meal five-star three-course meal right johnny mm-hmm. yeah that's absolutely perfect true. what uh are we th- what are we thinking it, I mean, I have got like three different menus they can choose oh. from, so it's really up to Damn, them. Cabbages, coming with the options. Are you, like, are you ready for the vegans as well? Are you ready for like? Give them oh, an airbender meal. No, vegans. no, no vegans. No, okay. Pescatarians. <laughs> Osa said no vegans. <laughs> are you going to be true to Osa? Like, are you going to show up in character as Osa and be like, "Oh, I only brought meat." No. <laughs> 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 yeah. Spoiler alert: All three courses are meat. <laughs> Just meat. <laughs> it's like. It's just barbecue, I think, man. I don't think it's a three-course. Yeah, I mean, well, a lot of our American audience will That's true. Be They'll appreciate that. that. They'll Everyone, eat that up. Yeah. Well, uh, look forward to Johnny's uh, cooking. It's fantastic. And we'll see you next episode. Bye. Avatar Legends was developed and produced by Magpie Games. The worlds of Avatar The Last Airbender and Avatar The Legend of Korra are property of Viacom CBS. Intro music is Dizu by Senbei. Outro music is Tokyo Funk by LATG Music. Logo and art by Kate and Matthew Menke. You can find more of their work at pomekin.com.